church. Today, we get to look at the greatest passage in the Bible on marriage. And we get to look at the most uncomfortable passage in the Bible about marriage. We're gonna settle in at Ephesians chapter five. And uh, this is such a beautiful chapter. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the, the biblical foundations of marriage, that the purpose of marriage is not for you and I to be happy as husband and wife, but rather, I mean, that's a wonderful result, and we, we look for that, but the purpose of marriage, as God defined and designed it, is to show the world his characters, his characteristics, and how he loves the world. That's the purpose of marriage. Today we get to look at how we reach that goal. So that's the goal. Today is the how-to, and we find that in Ephesians chapter five. But what's so uncomfortable about this passage is that this is the passage that talks about wives submit to husbands, and husbands love your wives sacrificially. Two words we hate, submit and sacrifice. None of us really want to do that at all, right? That just doesn't come naturally. But these are the, 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 the two ingredients that if you can incorporate these things into your marriage, it's guaranteed it will get better. So I know we've prayed several times already in this service, but I want to just come to the Lord one more time and ask him to prepare our hearts for his message. So pray with me. Father, we want to thank you that your word is truth. Thank you that your word is given, given to us. Lord, we come to study it now because we acknowledge our need of it. So Lord, teach us by your Holy Spirit, move in our hearts that we would respond to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So we begin in chapter five, starting at verse 18, and Verse 18, it reads this way. Now, I have kind of have it up here a different way, but this is how the verse reads. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the Spirit, filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. So let me give you the context to this. The Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing to the church that's meeting in Ephesus. This is a church that's filled with many different kinds of people, many different races, different backgrounds, different ages. And he is saying to them here that in order for there to be unity among this group of very different people, you need the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The implication being that without the Holy Spirit, unity cannot be accomplished in the church. You must have that Holy Spirit. So let me make this clear. When you, as a, as a believer, when you responded to the call of Jesus and you said, Lord, I confess my sins and I want to become a disciple and a follower of you, at that moment, God makes you his daughter and his son. And he seals that, that sonship, that daughtership with the Holy Spirit. At the moment of salvation, every believer is given the Holy Spirit to come and dwell in our hearts. So 
Anybody who is a follower of Christ has the Holy Spirit in us. So what's Paul talking about when he says be filled with the Spirit? Well, what he's really talking about is obeying the Spirit that's living in us. You see, the Holy Spirit can actually live in my heart, but I don't have to listen to him. But I should. And the Bible is all about teaching me how to listen to the Holy Spirit who dwells in my heart. And so as he dwells in my heart and I submit to him and begin to put into practice the things that he is teaching me from his word, then I'm becoming filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I love this passage because it says, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit and the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit is doing things that are not at all natural. We don't do these things naturally. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We don't see unbelievers doing that. In fact, can I just say that we have sort of the, the star of that in our congregation, Burt Young. Burt Young sing, speak to us with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. He practices this so beautifully. We don't see unbelievers gathering together and singing. I often think it must be strange for an unchurched person, an unbeliever, to come to a church for the first time and see a group of people singing and singing to somebody that's not, that's not even here. I mean, when do unbelievers sing? The only place I can think of other than maybe football games or whatever is, is a bar, right? They sing. When, when they're full of alcohol, they sing. Well, this pastor is saying, don't be filled with alcohol. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, and that will result in singing and making music in our heart to the Lord. Giving thanks is certainly not something that comes naturally to us. We need the Holy Spirit. Our natural bent is to complain or grouse or gripe about this and that. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to give thanks. And then finally, to be filled with the Spirit looks like submitting to one another. Well, I can tell you that is not natural to us, is it? Right? I don't want to submit to you. I want to raise myself up. I want to exalt my rights and exalt my needs and make sure my needs are met. But with the Holy Spirit, I get to submit to you and you to me. And Paul says that in the church, that's necessary for unity. And so this, this title, this, this next phrase that says submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, that's the heading of the next section. So it's as if Paul is saying, so you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're doing these four things. The fourth thing is to submit to one another. And by the way, here's what that looks like in different areas. In your homes, wives, you are to submit to your husbands. Husbands, you are to sacrificially love your wives. In your homes, children, you are to submit to your parents by obeying them. Fathers and mothers are included in this. Don't provoke or exasperate your children. Now, Paul is writing in a, in a context, in a society where there is slavery. He's not addressing the issue of slavery here. He's simply saying, slaves, if you are a slave, you will learn to submit to, another, to one another and submit to God by obeying your masters. And masters, by the way, you should actually honor your slaves, treat them with honor. So, so that's what this passage is all about. So we're really going to, to settle in here and look at this submitting to one another and this first column, wives submit to your husbands, husbands love your wives. So we'll continue to read in verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. 
because the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body now as Christ, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Whew, that's tough. Any women here really wanna do this on your own? Probably not, probably not. But let's make some observations. First observation is that the word submit is in the command form. It is a command. Paul doesn't say, hey, why don't you try submitting? Or what about this? Here's an idea for you. It's a command. Submit to your husbands. Now, what's beautiful of that, or about that word is that it's not just something that you have to do. It's something you do volitionally. It's something you choose to do. So we could read this, wives, choose to put yourself under the authority of your husbands. Choose to do it. It's a beautiful word that way. What this is about is this is about order in the home. All right? God has established three institutions in, in our world. We have the institution of government, the institution of church, and the institution of the family. And in each of those, he has established an order because if you have people together in an institution, you need order. And God has said that the husband is to be the head of the household. That's the order. Now, that's not because he's any better of a person. It's not because he's smarter or stronger or more spiritual or more qualified. It has nothing to do with that. It's simply the order that God has set up. It doesn't mean that women are subservient or less qualified or less valuable to God. No, in fact, Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote to the church of Galat in Galatians, of Galatians. He said, in Christ, there is no male or female. In other words, God doesn't take into account men or women regarding salvation. In one of his other letters, he even says that, that your conjugal rights as a couple are equal to husband and wife. One doesn't have say over, over or stronger say than the other in that area. So men and women are, are equal, but in, a home, in the home, God has set up an order. And that order is that he has given man the authority in that home. It's for the sake of order. Now, it's really no different in society. So let's just say that maybe last November I might have been pulled over by an officer because I was going too fast. Uh, so when that officer came up to my, my car and he is about to give me a ticket, I submit to him. I understand that his wearing of that uniform says that he is an authority in our society. Now, are he and I both equal? Yes, we are equal. But he, is, he has been put in authority and my role is to submit to that authority. Now, if I decide to not to submit to that authority, then this nice relationship that we've just established is in trouble, right? right? He came to my car all happy. I'm not so happy, but I have the choice to willingly submit to his authority or not. If I do, we continue in our happy relationship. If I don't, we don't have that happy relationship. I'm, re I'm reminded of a friend, this is horrible. He was an officer and he was called to a domestic dispute between a mother and her teenage son. And so the cop, the, 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 the officer comes there 
and he begins to talk to the teenage son who's sitting down and looking down at the ground while he's talking, and suddenly he looks up at the officer and he says, your lips are moving, but all I hear is oink, oink, oink. Their relationship changed from that point on, right? He did not submit to the authority of that officer, and there was trouble as a result. Well, it's really that way in our marriages as well. What I love is that the rest of this verse compels the woman as to why she is to submit as to the Lord. That phrase, as she submits to the Lord, she is to submit to her husband. See, because you are a believer, because you have the Holy Spirit in you, he is teaching you women how to submit. Now, every man and woman who is a believer has the Holy Spirit in them, and that Holy Spirit is is compelling all of us to submit to one another in the church. That's how we have unity in the church. I submit my needs to you. I submit my rights to you. I hold you as more important. Now, that doesn't come natural to any of us. We must have the Holy Spirit in order to do that. So what this passage is saying is, women, your husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church. So in your home, the husband is the head. Why? Because he represents Jesus Christ in your home. That man that sometimes you love and sometimes you despise represents Jesus Christ in your home. Now he has been given that authority. He didn't have to apply for that job. He didn't have to fill out an application. He didn't have to qualify in any way. You know what made him qualify for that authority? He walked down the aisle with you. That's the only thing. It doesn't matter who he is or his character. He walked the aisle with you, and God said he is now the authority in your household. And so you say, that's not right. He should earn my submission. He should earn my respect. I can't respect him until he earns it. Well, that may be the case. We'll talk about that. But let me bring you back to the policeman. What if if the officer came up to my car again and he said, uh, you know, do you know you were were speeding? And I said, officer, I I appreciate your, your knowledge, but let's just, let me find out, how qualified are you to be in this position? Uh, can you tell me your, your schooling? Where did you get trained to do this? And by the way, I notice your, uh, your, your uniform is a little, little uh, outgrown. You've outgrown your uniform. Are you still really qualified to, to exercise this authority over me? Like, again, there'll be trouble if I do that. So, so regardless of the honorable nature of that man or dishonorable nature of that man, I'm called to submit to the authority because he is wearing that uniform and he represents something other than himself. He represents the government. Husbands, you represent Christ, Jesus Christ in your home. So husbands right now are saying, this is great. I love this. I get to go home and be a lug and my wife has to serve me, submit to me, whatever I say, get me this. Oh, husbands, yours is coming because this is a long passage and we're gonna get to that. But let me just say, while the wife is, is required to choose to submit to you, it would go way better for you if you actually worked at earning that submission 
at earning the respect, but we're gonna come back to that. The key phrase here is now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Wives, your motivation is not because your husband deserves it, is not because of any other reason other than the fact that in submitting to your husband, you are showing the world how the church responds to Christ in love by submitting to him. Remember, the purpose of marriage is to display to the world the very character of God and his love for the world. And women, in your submission, you are showing that he may never earn it, he may never deserve it, he may never be good enough, but that's not what the question is here. The question is will you submit to the man who God has said is the authority in your home? Remember, your marriage is not about you. Your marriage is about showing God to the world. Now at this point, uh, sadly, we have to talk about abuses to this because there are abuses. Denise and I knew a, women, knew a woman and I, I know of others who was literally receiving physical abuse from her husband What's so sad about that is that her friends and her pastor told her that this was her duty to submit to her husband in this. Hear me clearly, ladies. I've talked very strongly about submission. I said it's a command. I said you're to choose to do it, whether or not your husband deserves it. But if you are in a situation where you are in harm's way, where you or your children are being threatened, where your husband is, being, is making decisions that compromise your safety or your children's safety, get out. That's not submission. That's not, not, it's not the opposite of submission to do that. You need to get out of there. You see, the Holy Spirit has to work in his life and sometimes it takes very severe action to get a man to see his actions. And it's not any favor to him to stay under that kind of abuse, whether that be physical threat or even verbal threat of physical things. So please, women, hear me clearly on that. I don't want anybody to come away from today saying, oh, he said, I just have to take this. That's not it. And unmarried women, I want to talk to you. If you desire to get married, I want you to know that your role in marriage will be to submit to the authority of your husband. Now, if that's the case, you need to make sure that that is a man whose authority you want to submit to. If he is not that man, dump him and head for the hills. So I'm serious, get rid of him because you will have to spend the rest of your life figuring out how on earth am I supposed to come under the authority of this bozo, right? You don't want to have to do that. And men, I'm sorry about that. Like if you're a man here who's like, like after the service, your girlfriend breaks up with you, I'm sorry, but too bad. It's time you man up. It's time you become the man you're supposed to be. You see, that call is not just for single men, but it's for the married men, the men who are already in marriage as well. It's time for us men to man up and to be the leader. Though our, our wives are called to submit to us, 
if we are not daily earning their submission, then our marriage is spiraling downward. We're heading the wrong direction. She can be the most submissive woman in the world, but if you're not earning that submission, you're on the wrong path and you're, you're headed for disaster. So look, let's look here at how the Holy Spirit fills us now, fills men to fulfill our role as husbands. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water with the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body. So let's make some observations here. First, did you notice that there are twice as many words to the men as there are to the women? That's because our role is that important. We have a huge responsibility, men, and God has given us a, a, a scripture here that we must take seriously. Well, it's either that or else we're twice as, as dense as the women and we just need more words, but I don't think that's it. So it says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This word love is agape. You probably have heard that in the Greek, the language that this was originally written in, there are at least four different words for love. There's a brotherly love, there's a romantic love. This is agape love, that is sacrificial love. Now, women, I know that you want the feeling love, right? And, and we're gonna do that, okay, we'll, we'll do that. But our call as men is to sacrificially love you to love you by sacrifice. Again, that is not natural. That doesn't come naturally to a man. We need the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. To love you the same way Christ loved the church, I can't do that. I must have the Holy Spirit. And there are two essences to this word. Okay, one is that the recipient of agape love is not necessarily deserving of that love. That's what the word means. So men, we are called to sacrificially love our wives whether they deserve it or not, whether they're submissive or not. We must sacrificially love them. The second essence of that word is that this word is an action. It's not a feeling. There are feelings in marital love, okay? But this word is talking about the action, and that action is the action of giving up ourselves as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So we don't sacrificially love her because she deserves it, because she's beautiful, because she's submissive. We sacrificially love her because we are Christ in our marriage. We represent Jesus Christ in our marriage, and we are to show the extent of his love, and the extent of his love to give himself up, to die for us. We're doing a marriage series downstairs during Sunday school. It's been excellent. If you want to come and join that, you can come and join at any time. But the, uh, the speaker says the story, he says there's a husband who reminds his wife all the time, I love you so much, I would die for you. And she says, you keep saying that, but you never do it. 
I think that's good. But you know, the, the truth in that is that like, it's easy to say, I would die for you. And actually, I almost think it's easier to die for a woman. If somebody were to come in and she needed to be protected, well, it's, I don't want to say it's easy, but like, that's a natural thing. But Jesus didn't love us just in that way. You see, to die, to give myself up, doesn't mean I'll put myself in harm's way to protect you. It means I will give myself up. I will die to myself daily, daily. It's consistent throughout all of scripture that believers are called to submit to one another. And we submit to one another by putting each other's interests before our own, putting each other's rights, their, uh, their needs before our own. That's what we do. We submit to one another. So husbands, how are we to love our wives? How are we to love and lead our families? We serve. We sacrifice. And so you say, I do that every day. I hate my job. I go to my job every day and I come and I provide for my family. But again, Jesus did so much more than just provide for our physical needs. See, Jesus is all about making us righteous, making us holy, making us blameless without spot or wrinkle. And those words, those words are followed by how we do that. Here's what it says. Let's have the next slide, please. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this, did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle. Men, you want your wives to get rid of wrinkles? Here it is. And or anything like that, but holy and blameless. You see, men, along with the authority that you were given when you walked the aisle, you were also given a privilege and a responsibility. That responsibility is to be the spiritual leader of your home. You are responsible for your wife's spiritual condition. What's so sad about that is that in churches, so many times within a marriage, the wife is so far ahead of the man spiritually because they naturally have a heart that's tender toward God. And we don't, we don't, we have to work on that. So her spiritual condition is gonna show up in your marriage by the way you treat her and wash her with the word and, and do the things that it's saying here. How she submits is a reflection of her spiritual condition. So if your wife is not submissive, there are several reasons why that might be. First, it might be that she just needs to submit to the Holy Spirit and learn how to submit to her husband. That's her responsibility. But it might be, second, because you are not leading. Men, if you're not the leader of your home, your wife will lead. She is not going to allow her children to be raised without a spiritual leader. And if you're not that leader, she will take over that position and your home turns upside down. Men, be the leader of your home. 
And also, she will gladly come under your leadership. This is the thing, you see, this isn't talking about personality types. There are women in this, in this congregation who are very strong leadership type of, of women, but they would gladly come under a strong leadership in their man. It's not a matter of personality and one striving for leadership or another. It's natural. God puts in, in a woman through the Holy Spirit the ability to put her strong leadership underneath the leadership of a strong man. So men, we must lead. A third reason why she might, might not be submissive is that maybe you aren't earning her respect. You see, she's required to reflect the believer's submission to Christ, but boy, we would make that a lot easier if we would earn her respect to do that. We can make her submission easier by being pleasant to being submitted to. And brothers, we can only do that by the Holy Spirit. There is nothing in me that says, oh, I wanna give myself up for Denise. Oh, I'm dying to put my dreams aside. I, I'm really excited about not caring for my own needs and making sure she's all set. There's nothing in me that makes me want to do that other than the Holy Spirit. But through the Holy Spirit, he gives me the ability to do that. So let's make this practical. Men, you cannot lead spiritually if you are not growing spiritually. So the first question is, how is your time in the word? Are you in the word regularly? And if you answer, well, yeah, once a week I come to church, it's not enough, okay? If your, your spiritual feeding is a once a week spoon fed from the pulpit here, then that's not enough. Men, get in the word. Get in the word. Let, you need the word more than you think you do. Look, it's our natural bent. The natural bent of every man is to become complacent about spiritual things. It's just natural. Men, we've got to work hard to be in the word. Have you prioritized spiritual vibrancy in your life? When you do that, then you have something to give. We, we just had this experience, and, I, and I'll share this with you. A couple of weeks ago, Denise woke up in the morning just discouraged and kind of deflated, and you know, it was in me right away to become defensive about that, like, oh, great, here we go, you know, another day, you know, my day off, she's going to ruin my day off because she's in a bad mood, you know, and, and the Holy Spirit really just, just got a hold of me, and, and so we started talking about it, and as, she, as she's talking about her discouragement, I was able to share with her this passage from Deuteronomy, says love, or, or the Lord your God carries you as a father carries his son. I could not have shared that with her except that I had just read that in my devotions. You see, if I'm not in the word, and if the word isn't speaking to me, then I can't use the word to wash her by the water of the word. That's what it says there, to wash her. Our job is to bathe our wives in the word of God. If you're not in the word of God, you cannot fulfill this. Men, men, get in the word of God. Single men, I wanna talk to you for a, a, a moment. It's so easy to think, and I did this too, Oh, when I get married, all my problems will be solved. My wife's gonna fix everything. Men, 
he's not gonna fix everything. And men, now is the time. If you're a teenager, if you're older than a teenager, now is the time to get your life right with God. Don't wait, she's not gonna fix it. Now is the time to get your purity figured out. Don't wait, she's not going to fix that either. Men, get serious about the Lord. Because if you put the, that responsibility on your wife, it will only backfire. And it's so sad. There, there have been so many marriages that I've seen where the woman actually thinks that, well, once I get married to him, he'll be better. Or I'll be enough for him. And that'll be all figured out. And, and you're never gonna be enough for him, right? You're never gonna be enough for him. You're not gonna fix his problems. See, the Holy Spirit has a job and the wife has her job, and those are not the same things. So women, can you allow the Holy Spirit to do his job and stop being the Holy Spirit for your husband? And husbands, can you stop thinking, she's gotta fix me? And deal with the Holy Spirit. Get alone with God, men. You have to do that. You've gotta do it. Single men, don't wait for, for your wife. Get right with the Lord now. Men, I know that when you're at work and you're coming home, you've given everything you've got. You're coming home, you're exhausted. And what you wanna do is you wanna come home and you wanna be ministered to. I'm gonna ask you to take a challenge. For two weeks, come home, as you're driving home from work, pray. Lord, I've got nothing left. Fill me with the Holy Spirit, where we started with our passage. Fill me with the Holy Spirit that I may be able to give and sacrifice for my family today. That I can be a minister for my family. Will you do that for two weeks? Put a sticky note in your car, put a candy bar in your car so you eat it and you have energy by the time you get home. Whatever you wanna do, do it for two weeks. I bet you'll see a difference in your marriage. I know you will. Because once we start taking responsibility for being the ministers to our wives and our children, there will be a change. So my time is about up, and there are so many scenarios we can talk about, right? I mean, you all have 100 stories of your own that you could say, how does this apply? We don't have time for that, but I'm going to do something that I, I know some of you have seen. Greg always teases me because he's seen this 100 times, but um, I, I do this with, with couples when I'm, I'm doing pre-marriage counseling. Here's how it's supposed to, supposed to work. You have a man, you have a woman. And the man says, the Lord has given me the responsibility and the privilege of being the leader of the home. I'm going to step into that and do that by sacrificing myself. The woman says, wow, that is a sacrificial leader. The Lord has commanded me to come under him regardless of who he is and how he is. I'm going to come under his authority and help him to be the man he's supposed to be in God. And then that man says, she is such a submissive woman, such a, a godly woman and wanting the best for me. She so wants the best for me that it's easy for me to give up myself, my rights, put them underneath and build her up as a woman in Christ. Help her to be the woman that God wants her to be. Wash her with the word. And she says, oh my goodness, my husband is giving himself up all the time. It's a pleasure to come under his authority and it just keeps working that way. That's beautiful, but that takes so much work. It takes more work than you have in you. 
But I'll tell you what, as much work as that takes, it's still easier than fighting every day. It's easier than being afraid of your spouse every day. It's easier than dreading waking up in the morning or dreading coming home at night. Far easier. Put the work where it's supposed to be. Fight where you're supposed to fight. And let go of this. This is only possible in a Christian marriage. An unbelieving marriage cannot do this because they don't have the Holy Spirit. And so in this way, Christian marriage shows the love, the sacrificial love, the giving up of himself love of Christ for the church and the beautiful love response of the church to come underneath the leadership of our Christ, of our God. And that's what your marriage shows as a believer. So, can you start working on these things? These are hard things. Now, I just just wanna say this. If you are not in this beautiful cycle, and my guarantee is that most of us are not all the time, right? This this doesn't happen a whole lot. But what if you're in in a relationship where your husband is really trying to destroy you, or where your wife is trying to control you, or where your husband undermines you to the kids, or where there's a pattern of disrespect from the wife, or where anger is the watchword of the home? What if you're in that situation? To be submissive and to be a sacrificial lover does not mean you are to be a doormat. It doesn't mean you are to swallow this pill and just live with it. Unfortunately, this passage gets interpreted that way so many times. You see, you actually have a responsibility to lovingly confront your spouse regardless of what reaction you may get. You bear the responsibility to lovingly confront. If the Lord is gonna work, then you've you've got to be used by the Lord in this. This doesn't mean nagging. It doesn't mean being the Holy Spirit for your spouse, but it means to speak honestly, to set up parameters that need to be set up to, to help your husband and your wife be the godly man and woman that they are supposed to be. It may mean seeking counseling for help. It may mean getting together with other couples and committing to pray for one another's marriage. So I want to make sure you hear this because so many times you come away from submission and sacrificial love and, and think, okay, I just roll over and die now. It's not about that. See, God wants your marriage to reflect who he is, and you have to take the steps, whatever steps it takes, for it to be that. So we are coming to communion now where we get to celebrate the sacrifice of Christ. As Pastor John D. brings to us the the words about our, our marriage to Christ, think of this in your own marriages and how it affects you And let's give our attention now to to the elements of communion.